0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte
2: Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed
1: to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from. So don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. I am Richie, and I'm joined by co host Lee, and we are live on Twitter Spaces following the hornets 123-99 win over the rockets a game in which the hornets were without Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and were able to hold this team under 100 points and they those two were the latest to enter health and safety protocols we'll talk about that here in a second but before we dive into deep Lee how's it
2: going fantastic um good, you know solid monday night win um a sellout apparently in the spectrum center on a on a monday night i think that uh you know if anything that just kind of shows you um where this hornets team has come in the eyes of kind of the greater charlotte uh, mind hive from you know, from a sports fan sports fan standpoint so that was cool to see um and yeah i mean you, you said it what Two two starters down, or, or two quasi starters down. I mean, PJ Washington doesn't doesn't always start the game, but it, but he typically does finish the games. So a game the Hornets should win, um, and, and and they took care of business. I mean, Rockets shoot forty one percent from the field, thirty two percent from three, um, and the Hornets have a pretty efficient night from from really all over the floor.
1: Right. And before we dive too deep into our recap here, for those that haven't done so, we'd love for you guys to give us a rating and review on your preferred podcasting app, whether that's Apple or Spotify or wherever, it's the best way to support us. And as always, we'll take speaker requests and questions too. So let's get started first, not with the game, but with the news about Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. We learned on Sunday that both of them entered the COVID protocols we also learned that the quarantine period, which we learned about today, I don't know if you heard about this, Lee, but it was reduced from 10 days to six days. So, you know, six days from Sunday brings us to Saturday, which is January 1st. The Hornets are off that night, but they do play the Suns on that Sunday. So in this time frame, these two players would have only missed two games, tonight's game plus Wednesday's game against Indiana. Under the old rules, they would have missed about four games, I believe, if I had my math correct. So, I made a mention of this on Twitter this morning, but both times that the Hornets have had their longest stretch of days off for rest, uh, I think it's like three or four days, you think that they're going to use this to recover, to recuperate. They are hit with multiple players entering health and safety protocols. So it happened last time the Hornets had three or four days off. It happened this time the Hornets had three or four days off. We talk about the schedule being very tough for this team, but again, Lee, it's just like unfortunate timing for this Hornets team. It almost feels like they're the unluckiest team in the NBA.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm getting to the point now, Richie, where it's like, okay, uh, who who hasn't had it yet? Like, <laughs> like, like have have we kind of uh, checked everyone off the list? Maybe, hopefully, at this point. I mean, I say that somewhat in jest, but like. At a certain point, you've got to think that, that it's it's gone through the whole team, and hopefully, hopefully. I mean, uh, I, I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm barely a podcaster, so I'm not going to make any definitive, uh, you know, declarations here. But like, look, the, the Hornets do have a much easier schedule going into the going into kind of the second half of this season. The Hornets also have a majority of the rest of their games at home in the Spectrum Center, and you've got to hope that we are past at least the worst spells of missing players to health and safety protocol so yeah I don't disagree with you Richie it feels like we have had a lot of bad luck on that end but maybe that tide uh, hopefully will be starting to turn once we do get Bridges and P.J. back
1: right and just just another quick note about the schedule which you were mentioning in six of those games they've been at a rest disadvantage that's that's the second highest I guess in the NBA there's only one team in the NBA that have had seven games with the rest disadvantage and that's been Portland and then when you flip it around and you're talking about true rest advantage where they have more days of rest than the opposing team they've only had two games this season where they've had a rest advantage and there's only one team Denver That has only had one game of a rest advantage. So all these things just keep piling up for this team. And then now you have Miles and PJ sitting out for about six days. And, you know, it just keeps adding up, adding up. Luckily, they were able to play the Houston Rockets tonight, a team in which clearly are just several levels below this Hornets team. And I hate to say this, but when you play a team like the Rockets that, Clearly, aren't as talented, aren't as good. They're coming into the game at ten and twenty-three. I think that plays right into the hands of Charlotte's play style, in the sense that you know, if you're going up against, let's just say, you know, the Bucks or the Suns or or a top-tier team that are head and shoulders above the Hornets, there's more of this like tenseness to them, right? And they're they're trying to yep. play perfect. When you're playing a team like the Rockets, and you know, every team obviously can beat any team on any given night. They play less tense and I thought they played very loose tonight and they got out in transition. They, they forced some turnovers and I think I that think kind of played right into their hands. So even though they were missing two of their better players, I, I like the play style tonight and having a team like the Rockets come into your own place probably played a factor into that.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: The Hornets
2: are nine and four at home this year, and the, and the Rockets are three and seventeen on the road. So the the you know the, it was it was a favorable matchup for the Hornets tonight. Um, I, I also think that you know if you look if you kind of look at the quarter breakdown uh, tonight of, of how, how this game went, you know the the bookends. So the, the the first and the third quarter, sorry, the first and the fourth quarter were pretty much dead even. It it was the second and the third quarter where the Hornets were really able to kind of make their hay tonight and stretch that lead out. It, there there was a point late in that second quarter where the Hornets finally got the lead into the double digits, and it, and it just kind of felt like the, the the Rockets' defense was really loosening up. They were playing, you know, they were playing all of their young guys at one time uh, at a certain point in that second quarter as well. You know, they had basically five year nineteen-year-olds on the floor. We all know that young players typically are bad defenders. So when you got five of them out there at the same time, and the Hornets had a couple of their veterans in, it, you would like to hope that the Hornets would be able to exploit that, and they did. And then you kind of added on, um, you know, Kelly Oubre coming off the bench uh, with, with a pretty strong end of the first quarter, leading into the second quarter. Lamello had a nice second quarter. So, so one, it it just felt like once they finally got that lead above double digits. A little bit of like a collective, uh, the the Rockets were a little demoralized once Mm -hmm. the Hornets were able to stretch that lead out, and then they just built on that right at the beginning of the third quarter, straight out after halftime. They jumped out um, to, to kind of extend that lead up to 20, and then the Rockets were just never able to catch up.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Those middle quarters were the ones that the lead was expanded and the team could play, like I said, a little bit more loose. Uh, You mentioned Kelly Oubre. I want to talk about Oubre and McDaniels because those are the two players that I'm looking at in these next couple of games to not replace Miles or P.J., but to be productive. And I think that they're productive like they were tonight and they will be, or they can be on Wednesday night. I think this gives the Hornets a good shot at winning both of these games in the absence of those two. Oubre didn't shoot the ball too well from deep tonight, but he got to the realm. Uh, he was four for four within four feet, which I think all of those were in the first half. The funniest play to me from Ubre tonight. And it was, it was a good one. It was a good steal at the end of the first quarter but he was like so unfazed by the clock like i feel like he had no pep in his step trying to beat beat the you know the buzzer beater there i think he, i think the basket went in with like 2 or 3 tenths of a second left in the first quarter and it's, like, it's not like anyone was deterring him from getting to the basket. He was just kind of lollygagging up and down the court. But that's just Oubre. Like, that's just his personality. And then Jalen McDaniels had another good night, finished with 16 points. And seven of those points came really, really early uh, in the first quarter. He had a corner three. He had a tough drive and bank shot off the glass. Uh, then he yep. had a high arcing floater within the span of, like, two minutes in that first quarter. Um, he was crashing the offensive glass as well, which has always been a thing with him since he's entered the league. So I think those are the two players that I'm going to be looking at, McDaniels and Ubre to fill in and step up in Bridges and PJ's absence. Thoughts on McDaniels and or Oubre, Lee? Yeah,
2: definitely. So one thing I wanted to run past you that, that I'm not – I haven't discussed it or even thought about it yet. It may have been brought up on another podcast in which, you know, it was either you, Brian, or Spencer, or some combination of. But I just didn't know if we if we had mentioned this yet. And and, it, and the reason why it caught my attention is because Miles Bridges actually tweeted about it during the game as Kelly Oubre as a, a sixth man of the year uh, consideration. I mean, you know, at first I kind of was like, eh, but then, then you dig in a little bit. You know, you look at his numbers. He's averaging 16 and 4. He's having a career year from an efficiency standpoint shooting the ball from the floor. Um, you know, Oubre's 45% from the field and 37% from three on really high volume. On a team that, that as of right now, is in the middle of the Eastern Conference playoff race, and because of all the reasons we talked about earlier, the schedule, the health, hopefully will be kind of pushing towards a very legitimate uh, playoff run in terms of getting into the top eight. Um, So I was just wondering if if we talked about that at all yet, and and if you had any thoughts on it, or is it just too early for that?
1: Well, Well, I'm not sure. Well, I guess it's never too early, but. I don't think we've talked about that yet on the podcast, but to your point, he, he is having a career year. When you just look at him specifically, like this is his best year of his career. And he's talked about the fact that the system that he's playing in this year compared to last year has allowed him to thrive. Like, you know, when it comes to the volume from behind the arc, it's at an all-time high when it comes to the efficiency from buying the arc. I believe it's at an all-time high. Um, he's just fitting in perfectly with this team. Obviously not starting. We're talking about him as a 6 man of the year. I don't know the other contenders out there in terms of who else would be in the conversation. So for me to kind of sit down and pit him against these other guys, I'm not really sure. I know that Tyler Hero is probably in the conversation. Maybe yeah. Alex, Alex Caruso as well. But you know, I haven't really compared his numbers to others, but... I, I think for him specifically in terms of his career, like this is his best year for sure. So, hey, if, if Miles Bridges says it, then then we have to take his word. Oh,
2: it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's as good as gold if Bridges is tweeting it out. So, yeah, that was interesting. And I, and I actually tweeted something along those lines, Richie, where it was like, you know, I, I haven't exactly dug into who his main competitors would be. I think there are some pretty solid candidates out there, but he certainly should at least be mentioned. Uh, particularly if he keeps the shooting efficiency up. Um, And then I I would just say quickly, before we move on to some other guys, uh, McDaniels, a guy who you've been high on for a long time, getting a chance for him to be obviously already a very important rotation player, but to start tonight in Bridges' absence, he just kind of continues to show his ability to be a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, obviously he's not much of a playmaker for himself or others, um, but, he, but he can put the ball on the floor. He can attack a closeout. You mentioned the kind of little, uh, the, the, the kind of physical drive and, and bank shot runner he had early in the first quarter. He got off to a great start tonight. And then he just brings so much defensive versatility. So uh, just, a, look, another second-round pick for Mitch Kupchak in his front office to go along with the, the slew of other guys that are contributing that, that also meet that criteria. Um, it's just really impressive. And, and it's not only just obviously finding like deep value in the draft. The, the other part of that is player development and, and Borrego and his staff get a lot of credit for that too. So it's a two right? you know, kind of, um, kind of success story. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, we, we talked about it. I think on the last episode you and me did, uh, last week, Jalen McDaniels has, has become one of the more kind of important X factors along with Cody Martin in the, in the, in the, second kind of secondary
1: rotation. Yeah, and we mentioned the fact that he probably needs to see more minutes because of his defensive presence and he's doing a lot on the offensive end even though he doesn't need the ball in his hands that much. So it will be interesting to see like once when this team is at full health, we have everyone a hundred percent like, how many minutes is he going to be getting tonight? night? The good thing about tonight, like, you know, when you when you have that lead, you could definitely sit some people a whole lot more. And there wasn't a single player. Oubre was the closest, but there wasn't a single player that got over 30 minutes tonight, which is good to see when you have a game in a couple days from now. Uh, I think we can't talk about this game without mentioning Terry Rozier, who finished with 27 points. And he started to heat up in the second quarter. So when you talked about the middle quarters of this game, like I, I think about Terry Rosier. Like he played really well in the second quarter. Yep. He played really well in the third quarter. If you were to probably break down his stats by quarter, those were probably his two best quarters of the game. And as he went, the Hornets went, he was seven of twelve from shots from behind the arc tonight. I'm still waiting on Rozier to put together a stretch of like a week or a week and a half where he just plays very solid basketball, shooting forty-five percent and above from behind the arc on a nightly basis. And I just I just want to get that feel of Rozier from last year this year, because I, I don't I don't get the sense that he's playing like he was last year, he's still a very valuable piece to this team, and, you know, he can go off on any night like he did tonight, but it's kind of been an up-and-down season for Terry, but very, very good and very, very impactful game for Terry Rozier tonight.
2: Yeah, kind of a vintage Rozier game tonight. A couple points I wanted to make with Terry. Number one is kind of um, tangential to Terry, but uh, LaMelo is just so incredibly... Mm -hmm attuned, particularly in the open floor and in transition with finding Rozier um, on, on kind of those scramble advantage plays, transition plays, uh, and it seems like he hones in even more uh, to finding Terry in those situations on nights where he knows that Rozier is like shooting a really good ball and he's confident. Right. I thought Lamella was fantastic in multiple situations tonight, particularly in the second half, of like locating Terry, you know, out of, out of one corner of his eye, manipulating, his, manipulating the defense with his dribble drive, and then just, you know, swinging it out or kind of tossing it back to Terry for a couple wide-open three-pointers. Um, and, and then the other thing is, like, you're right, Richie, like, Rozier, as well as the Hornets, are shooting the ball this year. The Hornets, as a team, are basically shooting 38% from three this year, which is way above league average. Last time I checked, they were in the top three for three point percentage in the NBA, I believe they're still in that in that uh, top ech- echelon. And that's with Terry Rozier shooting below his average from last year and with Miles Bridges shooting below his average from last year. We've kind of been like we've kind of been low key kind of following Terry Rozier's three point uh, percentage on the podcast this year. Me and Brian have been talking about it a good bit. You know, he was he was down in the high twenties at one point early in the year when he's working working his way back from injury. He's almost back up to thirty five percent. I think by the end of the year he'll he'll get back up to kind of that 37, 38, inching closer to forty. Um, but like you said, it's going to take a sustained, you know, two to three week period where he's shooting forty percent and above from three, and he's right. he's absolutely capable of that. So uh, great, great to see him get get hot tonight.
1: And great point about Lamelo, just knowing when players or teammates are on and putting them in positions to catch and shoot. And Terry Rozier is just a player that can shoot, you know, anywhere on the court. It doesn't necessarily have to be at a standstill, so that works in his favor as well. But maybe it's just me. It can't be. Can't be just me. I'm sure a lot of Hornets fans have become like numb to the fact that Lamelo can just pull off any pass. Like when I when I see him making these great passes tonight, like they're impressive but like I feel like they don't impress me as much as they should because I've seen it so often you know night in and night out maybe that's just
2: me no no I have I've tweeted that multiple times this season like we we are and we have become numb to just some of the ridiculous uh facilitation and 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 just court court vision court awareness offensive basketball IQ I mean like, you have to sit back and remember that, the, you know, that this is a second-year player, and he's got a 2, 2.5 assist-turnover ratio. He's got an above 20, P, you know, player efficiency rating. He's way, way ahead of schedule from, from a shooting standpoint. He's shooting 38% from three this year on on, on fairly massive volume. I mean, Lamelo's shooting seven threes a game, like – I, I think it's I think it's fair, Richie. I, I mean, look, this is this is an unashamed Charlotte Hornets podcast. I think any time we can get just like two minutes to kind of remind everyone how special it is uh, of what we're watching for a young uh, point guard, like a young on the ball offensive engine, to be doing what Lamelo Ball was, is doing. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, tonight, like. You know, tonight he goes six for twelve from the field, four for seven from three. He has sixteen points, seven assists, and five rebounds in, in just twenty five minutes of play. Yeah. And it kind of just felt it kind of just felt like a ho hum game. Like it didn't feel all that spectacular. But when you put it in context, it, it truly is. So yeah, you you, you kind of just uh, you kind of just sent me on a little rant there. But I think, <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's needed every like every.
1: Month or so. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be said because I think sometimes when we get in the mode of watching this team play, he plays so effortlessly in terms of you know what he can do with the basketball in his hands and finding you know players on cuts and alley oops and all this different type of stuff. Like we become numb to it, and so when he does only play twenty five minutes tonight, so you don't see him as much on the court, but he still put up those that those stats that you just mentioned there. And then um, I, I think we got to talk about Mason Plumley, Lee. I mean, I think yeah. We, we've we got to talk about him because he does receive a lot of criticism. Most of it is pretty valid, uh, but we do need to acknowledge when he's actually making an impact. He was hustling. He was diving after loose balls. He was attacking the glass. He had seven rebounds uh, in the first half, nine overall for the game. We saw him running up and down the court, trying to get the offense started quickly. He was diving hard to the rim for lobs, and we mentioned LaMelo. He hit him, I think, at least on one lob. I know for a fact at least one you know, high-energy play from Mason Plumley tonight, and he even got the uh, end-of-game interview on the telecast there, so that was good to see. So, I know there's going to be games where people are pulling their hair as they watch Plumlee play on the offensive side of the court, where he's moving side-to-side side and feels like he's clogging the offense a lot at times, but uh, tonight a, a pretty impactful game for him.
2: Yeah, I mean you know I, I get frustrated sometimes with with the miles plumley di- or sorry mason plumley dialogue you know i i just think it's fairly cut and dry like like mason plumley is a very quality backup center that has been thrust into a starting center role and on nights when the charlotte hornets play a team that didn't, that, that that do not possess a dominant center i mean i mean tonight the rockets front line they're trotting out they're trotting out christian wood Who's a fantastic and, and incredibly talented offensive player, uh, but 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 a you know he's a minus defensive player. And then you've got Usman Garuba and Alpern and who are you know teenagers, uh, and then and then a little bit of Daniel Tice sprinkled in. It's like the, these are nights where Mason Pemble is going to look good because you know he's a he's a top end quality backup center in the NBA. That, that that's what he is. And then there are going to be nights when he plays against Jokic and Embiid and Aiton and, and kind of these just, uh, you know, supernova, incredibly talented, incredibly nimble, legit seven-footers that he is just outclassed by. And, 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 and that's what Hornets fans are going to have to understand and get used to. And I, I, I just think I just think it's fairly simple and cut and dry. So, like, I thought Mason was awesome tonight. I'm just constantly surprised by the, the a little bit of like misguided and confused dialogue around him. I think um, when, when you, when you look at him in the correct context, it's much easier to, to like diagnose and digest you know, his up and downs.
1: Yeah. There's going to be certain matchups where it's advantageous to play Plumley over PJ more minutes in a night. I know that PJ Washington offers a lot for this team in terms of his versatility in the offensive end. And, you know, the, you know there are plenty of games where the frustration with Mason leads us to wanting us to play PJ Washington a little bit more. But like you just said, he's probably suited to come off the bench, not play high minutes. But tonight he was impactful. Uh, definitely will take any speaker request as we start to wrap up here. So if anyone has a question,
2: I think we've got one, Rich. Who? Can you
1: see it? Hey, Cam, did you have a question or comment about tonight's game or about the Hornets?
2: Hey, yeah, thanks, guys. Just I. I was kind of thinking about it today. I was at the game and I, you know, wanted to know if it was just recency bias. We talked about LaMelo and how great he looked uh, for stretches tonight, but miles has been so good lately. Just, is there any difference? Do you think that LaMelo is our best player while miles is our most important? Is it the, is it the opposite? Is it just very clearly that, uh, that miles is, is two or maybe one B uh, you know, i Obviously disappointed that he couldn't play tonight, but it was uh, it's kind of odd not to see him out there when he's been such an an integral piece yeah. for the Hornets lately. Um, it was just you know, obviously just excited to get them both on the court, and this doesn't matter at all. It's just kind of something that me and a buddy were talking about uh, during the game.
1: Yeah, it's weird, like in terms of how you define like the best player versus the most important player. So I don't know if I can answer that question. I think it's interesting to see that we saw Miles Bridges play without Lamelo Ball, and he played so well as that like primary guy that was going out and getting you buckets and driving to the rim and and getting there pretty easily. And we know that he has that in his game. Uh, but now that Lamelo has come back, uh, in terms of like how those two are playing together, like to me, to me, Lamelo is the best player on this team, top to bottom, you know, in all categories. But Miles is very, very important for this team. Like, if he's not playing, if he's not that 1B or that number two guy for this team, and he's not playing like it, this team is not going to win at a consistent level. It's going to be interesting to see how LaMelo plays without Miles, which obviously he did tonight, and he did fantastic. So, yeah, I don't know how you define that, Lee. Like, to me, LaMelo is the best player for the Hornets, but obviously Miles Bridges is very, very, very important. And to me, those are the two guys, like... You know, whether you want to label it one A, one B, or one two. That's kind of how I would rank those two.
2: Yeah, it, it, thanks for the thanks for coming up, Cam. And it's cool, it's it's sweet that you were uh, that you were in the arena tonight. That's awesome. So so thanks for jumping on with us after the game. Um, I, I, I will say this: I, I can confidently and definitively say that Lamelo Ball is the most important player on this roster, not only because he's the most valuable asset on this roster, which I think is pretty much undebatable, but but just from a, um, from a roster construction standpoint, something that, that on this podcast we've talked a lot about leading into this season, the off-season moves that the Hornets made were, were geared towards completely 100% handing the keys of this offense to Lamella Ball. So he, he's really that, you know, he almost all, now look, Gordon Hayward is a terrific secondary playmaker. Um, Miles Bridges has very much improved as a playmaker. But LaMelo Ball is really your only true, you know, heliocentric uh, pick-and-roll offensive organizer, offensive creator on this team. So he's just and, – and, you know, we've, we've seen that play out uh, in games where either LaMelo Ball misses or you can just sort the lineup data and you, you can see uh, the plus-minus stuff with LaMelo on the floor and LaMelo off the floor. there There's a pretty massive chasm there, which actually, believe it or not, was not the case last year. Uh, so, so that kind of shows the improvement of LaMelo Ball and how right. important he is to this team in his second year. And, and if I had to make a choice, I would probably also say that he's the best player on this roster. Although, I think you can make an intelligent argument for Bridges, and I think you could actually make an intelligent argument for Hayward, too. But I think, the assist and the playmaking is where LaMelo kind of separates himself from those other two guys just on a different level. So yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's uh he's our 20 year old and, and yeah, he, he is our most important player and probably also our best player. That's, it was, that's interesting to talk about that.
1: Yeah, He consistently fills up the stat sheet. Like you look up and he's, close to a triple double almost every single night and we talk about his defense in terms of like him not being the greatest like on ball defender but his off ball stuff is good as well so sometimes that stuff doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to LaMelo in terms of kind of creating offense from his defensive anticipation on that Yeah
2: we'll, we'll probably we'll probably average a triple double at some point in his career. Yeah. I know that's I know that sounds crazy but look I mean he's He's in his second year, and he's 19, 7.5 rebounds and 8 assists. So, like, he's not that. I mean, that is a pretty big, uh, you know, hill to climb. But, I mean, three years down the road, I, I don't see why he couldn't be doing that.
1: Did you see Kimba's triple-double on Christmas?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It Love was it. so funny. <laughs>
1: they, they were trying to get him that last rebound. Christmas
2: miracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. Cam was in the arena tonight, so he did not get to listen to the telecast. So I know we haven't done this in a while, Lee, but were there any kind of sayings or anything from Eric Collins that stood out to you? Because I do want to mention the fact that I mean, you heard this where he was talking about Alaska. He got on this like thing about Alaska where the NBA players were from Alaska and he talked about a trip that he made to Alaska, and he saw a bald eagle eating McDonald's out of a dumpster (laughs) during his only trip to Alaska. I'm not really sure why he felt the need to share that, but uh, it was an interesting story nonetheless.
2: Uh, I'm glad he did, Rich. I I don't know why he did. I mean, those, Immendale, man, they are, it's honestly like it's just two buddies, like, sitting back, drinking rum and Cokes and watching a basketball game. It's just, I mean, I think Hornets fans, like, intimately know this, and I think, I think because of LaMelo and because the Hornets have gotten a little bit more kind of national TV, and then also just kind of like the the Instagram highlights and stuff, like Eric Collins has gotten a bit more love this year, which is great, mm-hmm. but they're they're just a national treasure. I, I think they're, the, I'm biased, but I think they're the best broadcast team in the NBA. No, I, I didn't hear necessarily any new ones from EC tonight. He did pull out the classic, uh, tougher than Walrus Grizzle, um, when he was talking about Jalen McDaniels fighting through an injury. And then Dell, Del, which he'll do this like every third or fourth game, and I think it's kind of his way of toying with EC a little bit. He'll, <laughs> he'll throw one out randomly, and tonight Dell gave us a finer-than-frog hair split four ways, which I'm still not completely sure I even understand, but it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I guess because frogs don't have hair, I'm assuming. I, I mean, I mean. <laughs> That's that's my guess. Did you see what Eric Collins was saying about uh, Shangoon at the free throw line, where he was uh, poking fun at the fact that he was, you know, saying a prayer before a free throw shot? Like he's like, it's not, it's not a it's not a half court shot. Like why why are you praying? Oh, why are you praying for a fifteen foot shot? But uh,
2: one out of two for Shangoon. Prayers only need to be heard by one. What? It's a free throw, really? Yeah, a prayer? Right. Yeah. Come on. It's not like it's a half court hey, shot. Everybody's
1: got their room. Collie. Eric Collins just like slowly picks fun at the opponents, just kind of like underhanded stuff at
2: times. Very subtle. Like, yeah. like when an opponent, like Garuba, uh, Usman Garuba, one of one of the Rockets uh, rookies in a, in a late first round pick, um, just kind of absolutely bricked a corner three. And, and Eric will just give that subtle like, oh my goodness. You know, it's, it is, it's very, it's very uh, underhanded. But if you watch the broadcast enough, you can, you can kind of pick up when he's when he's taking shots, which which it's all in good fun. I enjoy. it.
1: Do have a speaker request here,
2: Danny? Yeah, bring him up. Hey, what's up, Lee? What's up, Richie? Uh, I just have a quick question. Do you guys usually do this after games? This is the first time you guys are doing this, like uh, Twitter Space. We've actually done this
1: probably for the past I don't know, fifteen podcasts, Lee. Like I feel like it was we've always been on Twitter
2: Space. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What, but but it, it it is a new thing for this season, so. Uh man, thanks for thanks for coming to check us out, and hopefully, as the season moves along and the Hornets are are continuing to hopefully push for a playoff spot, people will continue to pop in here and uh, and and check us out and and come up. We 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 love it when people come up and speak. It's always fun to connect with uh, with folks. So thanks, man. Oh no, absolutely no. I just you know I like to anytime I uh, you know watch my teams, I like to like listen to what other people think based on what they saw. Or like you know, kind of review like, yo, this game was really bad. This one's good, you know, like that. So yeah, I was just I'm hopping through Twitter and I saw you guys and I was like, oh wow, first time I see a Hornets talk in the Twitter space, so that's why I asked. But so, you guys, keep it up or just keep coming in, you know, definitely after every yeah, game. <laughs> thanks, man. Come in anytime. Yeah. We'd love to have you. We appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it's not every game, but uh, I would say like uh, probably once or twice a week we'll get on here and. It's good to have speakers that come on and other listeners because you guys see stuff that we don't normally see or you guys ask questions that we don't normally think of and it just gives us other talking points uh, for the podcast. So that's good. So we appreciate everyone that joined us, whether you came early, whether you came late. Uh, If you did come late, this will release as a full podcast tomorrow morning. For Lee, I am Richie. Go Hornets.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?